once again, you're listening to What's Up Aboard, the podcast. For those of you who may not know, this is a podcast that focuses on love, life, relationships, and everything in between. Everyone has a story to tell. I just want to know, what's yours? With that being said, one of the weekly goals of this podcast is to help people like you learn from our guests and comprehend information from a different lens of perspective. To all the listeners out there, both old and new, salute. Now let's begin this episode. Over to you, Wardy Ward. Thank you for that introduction, Mr. Ward. Once again, you're listening to What's Up Aboard, the podcast. My name is Wardy Ward, and I'll be your cool captain on this fantastic voyage today. So please get in, sit down, buckle up, because it's about to go down. Remember to always hit that like and subscribe button, especially if you're my YouTube listeners out there. This helps us to help you help us help everybody. You feel me? One of the things we often say on this podcast is everyone has a story to tell, and we just want to know yours. Well, I guess today definitely falls into this category. This Swab Brothers from Chicago. He attended Dunbar Vocational High School back in the day and then on to Olive Harry College in Chicago as well. He somehow ended up in Indiana. Don't know how or why, but he's here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming Mr. Eric Maxwell to the lab. How you doing, my guy? How are you, sir? How are you? I'm doing good. I think I cut my toenails too low, but you know what? That's another story. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> so, so Eric, tell us in your own words and your 30-second elevator speech. Who is Eric Maxwell? You know, I'm one that's been through many things in life, um, but it's always one of those type of things where it's important to keep your head in the in the right focus. Right. Many times, you know, you have your struggles in life, so you have your, whether it's, you know, financially, whether it's medically, whether it's, uh, no matter the situation, it's either you can always allow other people to bring you down or you feel like you're at that point where you make the adjustments, not always relying on other people to make you move yourself up, yeah. but you have to do things and make the moves to impress yourself and not everybody else. Man, that, that's some deep words right there. You sound like you've been through some stuff. <laughs> we we looking forward to hearing about that. Most but um, well, as I mentioned earlier, I said you're a Chicago native. Were you born? You're born in Chicago. Yeah, I was born in Chicago um, on the South Side. Okay. Um, and as you mentioned, I, I went to Dunbar High School. Um, I graduated mm-hmm. Dunbar High School in '96. The crazy thing about that is during that yeah back in '96. So I actually went to school with Jennifer Hudson. What? Yeah, when I was a senior, she was a junior. Um, And if you know the stories like with Jennifer, um, there's, man, you know, like the the situation that happened with her family and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Somebody got killed. A lot of people got killed. Matter of fact, I had class with her sister. Her sister was a senior back when I was a junior. We had class together. So it was... You know, a lot of that stuff, man, when it kind of, when it went down, I mean, it hits close to home, especially when, mm-hmm. you know, you've been around that family at the same time that you're proud of Jennifer, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, it's the disappointment when the crazy stuff like that happens, man. It's just, you know, sad. Yeah, man. That, that, ooh, man. So, so y'all, so how much older is she than you again? I, uh, so she's, I'm only a year older than Jennifer. Okay. Okay. 
podcast. Yeah. What was she singing and stuff back then? And was she yeah, known matter of fact, uh, she had like you know like music class, gospel, you know, and you know you always knew like oh man, you know she got a voice, but you never would have thought you know yeah. the levels that you know that they can go. And I, I mean, I'm just so proud of you know the accomplishments that yeah. you know, she brought upon our school. So. Oh, that's mm-hmm. yeah. definitely something I keep in my memories. That that is amazing. So, um, well, tell me this. Um, I want to go back to Chicago a little bit because yeah. um, I was actually born over there too. Yeah. And uh, I, it's so many questions I want to ask you about why you left. <laughs> but before I want just a few things I get to. Uh, what was it like for you growing up in Chicago? Well, growing up in the middle of. And I, when I say I was in the hood, I was in the hood. I was in the middle of an area. It was like the, a lot of game banging areas, man. It's like mm. when you have an area that they call Lakeside and Terratown, you know, it was a lot of gang activity. It was a lot of things that was going on. Now, yeah, you know, my mind frame growing up, you know, I was cool with people. So at the same time that I was cool with the ones over here, I mean, I knew what level to keep it at. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I didn't cross any lines that, you know, that took it to any nonsense. But from the time of growing up with these guys in grade school to when you get up to the older area, to the high school and stuff like that. And, you know, things get kind of split off amongst people. Yeah. They know who's cool and who is not, especially back in that generation. So I, I know how gangs were in L.A., yeah. but... Uh... In Chicago, was it? Could you not wear the, the different colors? I know Bill yeah, Bulls that was that was a big thing. I mean, that was a huge thing. And at the same time, um, it was also about to be smart about you know wearing your hat straight. You know, you couldn't walk yeah. around trying to represent something that you weren't. And mm-hmm. you know, I can't even lie, man. When I got to high school, you know, you walk around, you know, got my hat tilted to the side. <laughs> You'll have a guy come up to you. Hey, what's going on, G? You know, and shake your hand halfway. You make the mistake and go and shake their hand in a way, or you pull back and say, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm not." They'll ask you like, "Why you got your hat turned like that?" Mm-hmm. Or you know, or if they you go and you shake up with them, where are you from? Mm-hmm. Don't lie, cause you mess around and lie. The the words back in the day was like, "Well, spit the lick." If you didn't know what they were talking about, mm-hmm. oh, you were guaranteed getting punched right in your mouth. And trust me, there was many times that I saw it, mistakes that I made. I I took a few, but you learn and you learn, you learn very fast. And like I said, I stayed on the South side. My high school that I went to was pretty much closer to the downtown area, but it was also closer to the projects. And the reason why I went to that high school, um, the main thing that I wanted to try to get into into at that time was the architectural program one of the best architectural programs Mm. that was in chicago and there was you know competitions and stuff like that that actually i won jobs from that um that was right after high school right at that high school stage what made it hard was that when i went to college um i got my associate's degree in architecture Hmm. The bad part of that is that I graduated in 99 and I was paying out of my pocket and everything switched over to AutoCAD in 2000. (laughs) So (laughs) it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be with so much of the transition, especially paying out of the pocket. 
but it was also yeah. good to have at least a small degree to say, hey, I got my associate's degree. Right. I can take this to so many other different levels. Mm -hmm. okay. And that kind of helped me in a lot of ways. Definitely. Now, what did your parents do when you were growing? What did they do for a living? Well, my mom was a nurse. Um, she was she was long time RN uh, nurse in Chicago. Um, my dad, he was a mechanic. Um, and when I say <laughs> he worked, he worked for Chevy. And when I say the man could fix any vehicle at any time, you know, he he, <laughs> he he was awesome. He you know, and he still is awesome. You know, I shouldn't say he was still is. Um, yeah, both of my parents are yeah. yeah. Both of my parents are still alive. It's a blessing for that. Um, they're they're up in the eighty, mm -hmm. you know, and um, they they're up there. They're still doing good. And actually, they moved here uh, after my son was born. They uh, moved here to Indianapolis. So, you know, it's still yeah. it's still a blessing to see them. You know, and um, still mm -hmm. strong in everything that they do. <laughs> now, now. Both your parents were together while you were growing up, correct? Yes, yes, I, I had the okay. blessing of that. Yep. Okay, so since your parents are here, do you still get a chance to get back over to Chicago that much? Well, <laughs> this is the, I have not. Uh, I haven't been there in a while. Usually, mm -hmm. what I would do is like around the time of the auto shows, um, I would go almost like every yeah. year, go to the auto show. I know so many things have changed. I mean, even uh, my guy that was, you know, the best man in my wedding, he still lives there. We talk on the phone almost every other day. You know, we check up on each other. The crazy thing, my grandfather, uh, <laughs> my grandfather is still there. Um, you know, mm. which is awesome. You don't go see granddad? Well, uh, I haven't, um, mm. which there's there's no reason why I, I, I don't, but... <laughs> You know, that's that's a whole another long story. But uh, my grand, my grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> this is the crazy thing. My grandfather got remarried at ninety. Okay, so <laughs> yeah, man. My grandfather yeah, got yeah. he got remarried, uh, and for for a while, I can't even lie, man. I was a little I was a little upset at that because you know, even though it was a long time and my grandmother had passed, and you know. Hey, oh, okay. But if you look at my grandfather, you would never believe that man is at the age that he's at. You know, and ninety. Yeah, he got married at ninety. Is I want to say it's um he's like ninety five now. Ninety, yeah, ninety five now. Mm. So he's been married for the last five years. You know, so he's you yeah. know still getting up there. But man, he he's smart as a whip still. So. You know, that's now he didn't marry his. He, if your granddad's ninety five, he didn't marry a twenty year old. Did he twenty five? No, no, no. Actually, <laughs> now she's like late eighties. You know what I'm saying? And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, man. yeah, I'm like, bro. I, I, you know, I, I can't see myself redoing it that later in life, but you know, you know, it is. Yeah. Especially, yeah, dating. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. leave that alone. Yeah, uh, man. Yeah. So. Yeah. So tell me this, when you, when you uh, got out of school, mm -hmm. still living in Chicago at this time, I'm assuming, uh, tell me about the first job you had, because I think Chicago is so interesting, man. It's like, I know it's got like this good pockets, yeah. but like I said, when I lived over too, it wasn't the greatest of areas. So I'm like, yeah. what did you do for the first job in Chicago? Well, the crazy thing is, um, like I said, I had got the internship and got into the architectural program and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. my actual first job um it was bought out by fedex 
you probably see the orange trucks on the road, roadway packaging. Yes. yes. Um, so I actually, my first job, I was loading trucks for roadway. So in, in, yeah, man. So my parents were one that they like, Hey, we want you to concentrate. Like during high school, it was concentrate on school. Don't worry about those side jobs. College. It was a whole nother story. You know, I, by then I'm driving, I can get to my locations. Um, so I was doing that working for roadway the majority of the time while I was, you know, in college. And then it was kind of like when semesters and stuff changed, time changed in those specific times. You know, I had to to do a little bit of adjusting with that. Um, but after like roadway, I mean, I moved on and the best thing that I did, they had like temp agencies. Um, so while I was in, in school, while I was in college, they had like these little internship ways that you can sign up. You can go through a training and it help you get jobs so at the same time that that opened up it was like utilize the temp agencies in chicago so by being able to do that i was able to get with big big companies you know big name companies and i worked for uh the hospitals there i don't back then it was the name norwegian american hospital okay and Mercy Hospital. Like I worked at there, you know, and then I started doing billing. So of course I kind of like utilized my, you know, little college degree that I had to get into other things. Okay. Which was a great thing because building that that resume, I mean, like right now, I work full time at Eskenazi Hospital and I've been there for going on over twelve years, going on thirteen years. So it was just, you know, just those small little little seeds over that period of time. You know, it just helped help build and get experiences. Yeah. So you definitely didn't want to follow your dad's footsteps into that auto industry? You know what? Actually, I did. Um, but my dad, he always told me he was just like, you know, you go going to school. My mom was the same way. And at the same time, my dad was teaching me how to do a lot of things. That's how now, you know, I'm able to change brakes now. I'm able to change, you know, change my own oil. You know, I'm able to do some things of, you know, where you go and where you don't even realize rotors and all of that stuff is not that expensive, but you take it to go get it done. They, they, they hit you tooth and nail. So yeah, it was so many things my dad taught me that even though I didn't make it a career, I know how to do it now, you know? I definitely admire that. I've changed my oil a couple of times and and I tried to do the brakes and stuff. It's not that bad, like you say, but people... You know, yeah. I guess it's our laziness because, like, other people come to this country can speak multiple languages. We can't, so Almost definitely. I know it's just just different things you got to do, man. Yeah. So, you mentioned that you currently work at an Eskenazi Hospital that's here yes. in Indianapolis. Um, for 13 years, you said going on 13 years. Yep, wow. What, what advice would you give somebody who was just starting out in your field? The job you do now, what would you tell them about that? Well, I'll tell you this where when I started off, I started off back when it was Wisher. Okay. Even the whole process and how everything was done um, was a lot harder back then. When I started off, I started off, um, basically I was a registrar. I was registering patients, but I started off doing that in the ER, which it was a little bit more difficult way back then than what I'm doing now. So back then being in the ER, you saw it all. From the gunshot wounds to the stabbings to the crimes that happen on the street to 
I mean, so many vicious things that happened in the world from ones that had gotten arrested for doing horrible, horrific things that you have to kind of look beyond that to get what your job is done. Um, even at the times where you have the police outside the door and being in the position that I had, it would be somebody in the ER that just got shot that's telling their boy right in front of them who did it, how it happened, how everything went down mm. with me standing there. But legally, I cannot repeat. You feel me? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. when we had like the officers that step up and they're going to talk to these guys and you know, these ladies of some of the horrific things that happened, they shrug their shoulders and they say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened. And yeah. I sit there and I have to suck that air in yeah. and it's getting everything typed out, you know, <laughs> and, you know, from the bad things of somebody that may come there and they're laughing and they're joking and they're talking to you. And then you see the red light pop on right after you leave to see all the doctors run in and then they didn't make it. It was times like that, man, that um, when I say on a regular and for so long for me to have done it, I kind of see from a different perspective of why a lot of police are how they are. Because when you are, you get so desensitized by the craziness and the nonsense that you see, mm -hmm. it's almost like of a norm. So as quick as something that you saw crazy you know five minutes later another one has happened so after a while it was like okay <laughs> there's other opportunities there's other changes that can happen so after I've learned so much from that I was able to move on still there still building my stocks and bonds in there but yes, sir. Yes, also sir. knowing alright now I need to adjust yeah so. yeah I can Imagine that can eventually take a toll on you to constantly be in that environment. You know, like you said, you're breathing that air, so it's got to affect you. So I'm glad you were able to have that experience, but also to keep moving forward. Most definitely. Um, what's a typical day like for you now when you go into work? Well, right now it's a little bit smoother. I work with general surgery and neurology um, now. Um, and I basically, after they have their appointments, if they need their x-rays, if they need their MRIs, right after they see the doctors they see which is a lot more mellow now you know um i take it to heart personally because um one of the other things i was gonna you know we talked about um back in december like i dealt with seizures personally oh, um, wow. yeah and i was that was a struggle that i had all the way from high school so all mm -hmm. the time when i was in chicago and i was dealing with seizures and stuff like that um the doctors in Chicago could never find where it was coming from. Could never find, mm. never find, never find. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it wasn't until I got out here in Indianapolis. Um, and to make a long story short, uh, basically, I, I had got into a really bad accident. Um, oh. And it was it was one of those things that I can definitely say was a blessing that I'm that I'm here uh, for sure. And. Um, I yes. I had I was seeing a doctor at the time was over at St. Vincent and he told me he was just like oh from the test results and all of that stuff as long as you take your medicine you're fine yeah no that that mm. wasn't the case at all um mm. and lo and behold uh something I, I got off at work on on a Friday a little early uh 
half day. My at the time, my parents was out of town. A matter of fact, I think my wife was out of town too. Um, if I'm not mistaken, it, it's been a minute. But basically, to make a long story short, no, my wife was in town. My parents was out of town, and I went and I hopped on the highway on the way home. But just before I I stopped at this, it was like a little Greek restaurant that was downtown. And I said, well, you know, I always got to keep in mind of what I'm eating. So, you know, I, I'll see what they got. So I got like a got a little sandwich and on their fries. One of the things that would always trigger my seizures was anything that had paprika in it because it had mm-hmm. MSG, which a lot of that I didn't know that mm-hmm. kind of learned that later on. <laughs> okay. But anything that had like certain seasonings like uh, MSG, um, like I couldn't drink anything that had alcohol in it at all. Like I'll take two sips of a beer and I would have a seizure right away. Um, well, that day I'm like, hey, I'll be fine. I'll grab some fries. I'll head on home. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, yeah, I grabbed that. Something told me, hey, I'm going to pop two fries in my mouth. That was the worst idea I ever had. Uh, what I didn't know, they sprinkled paprika all over the fries and that had mm-hmm. MSG in it. Soon after I had it, all I know is I blanked out on I-70. Um, my foot hit the accelerator. Uh, I kind of lost, almost went into a semi. Uh, they said a semi swerved. And, and when I say on this mm-hmm. one, definitely God took the will on this. So mm-hmm. literally, because um, l- actually to see my car is still kind of like, not even not even real i still got a picture of it and it just doesn't even seem real but i'm i missed a i missed a semi semi swerve um and basically they said basically with the seizure my foot went right down into the accelerator um i went into a the back of a suburban and you know the in the back of a suburban you know they have like really huge tire in there and at the time I had an Impala. So when I went into the back of it, the airbag hit me and basically knocked me out again. Okay. So my foot, wow. which was kind of a good thing, my foot came off the accelerator. So all yeah. I know, I got yeah. down a lot further. And why I say, I swear, man, God took the will on that. Because if you look at I-70, there is no side railings. Right. I pretty much rolled. Like I was probably about 15. Like my, it rolled that far. It got all the way down by like shading. And right down there is where there was side railings. <laughs> there they are. I, I feel I feel this little bumping. I feel this little bumping, side bumping. And like I started coming to, the airbag had already deflated and went down. Mm-hmm. And then like everything's coming to me. I'm still kind of, you know, mine is not there. A little lethargic, you know, pull, hit my brakes. Um, the Suburban pulled behind me. And I'm still in my work uniform, you know, and... I stepped out. I'm looking at, you know, the front of it. The whole front is smashed in. How thing was still rolling, I have no idea. And, um, you know, of course, I went and checked on a lady. She was, like I said, because of the Suburban and the impact on the big spare tire in the back, that kind of took all the pressure. So, mm-hmm. you know, from she she was she was fine, you know, and um, they took me right back to work, took me to the ER. Um, <laughs> yeah, the ambulance came. They took me to right back to the hospital. And when they ran everything on me, they, because I, I didn't even know they had ran all of these tests on me. But they said the two things that they saw was the food that I ate and there was a diet pill that I was taking. 
So okay. they pretty much told me, they said, the best way to say is that they kind of said, well, you know what? We're going to say to you that this pretty much happened from what you took and what you ate, that you had a, a reaction to it. Um, mm. But don't go back to driving. And I said, no worries. Oh. I, I, I won't. I won't. So it was a good thing that like my license wasn't suspended and stuff like that. But at that point, I was just like, okay, this is kind of a struggle. But no, I, I'm not about to, you know, injure anybody else or from that for me to be walking after that after seeing my own vehicle that was <laughs> that was a pretty much of a wake-up call like yeah bro you need to get it together so hmm. um and from that to make a long story short i switched my doctors i was seeing a doctor over at iu methodist and um he told me he said one of the things that i want you to do because we're going to be running these tests you know, those week long EEGs and MRIs and all of those, the old, all of these crazy tests do what you know is going to make you have a seizure. Which, so that, that makes sense. And a lot of people don't know. So that's one thing that I always, you know, even from the job that I do, like I will tell people my personal experience of when they have those tests and stuff like that. And cause it gets very depressing, you know, and I know I'm kind of bundling a lot of that together, but one of the things that I always tell a lot of people is do the research on your medication. Oh, um, yeah. Please do your research. Yeah, because when I say you feel very depressed when you have the medication I was taking, it literally tells you when you do your research, your suicidal thoughts, mm-hmm. you have those feelings where it's like everybody hates you, that you know, and you're trying and you're trying and you're trying hard. And it's like, you, you're, you're angry from the time you wake up. And mm-hmm. it, it was hard because I know like my attitude. And like I said, me and my wife, we've been married for 19 years. So it was so much my wife had to deal with the nonsense, you know, <laughs> that, you know, even like there was so many apologies, especially after I had, you know, um, after the doctors were able to find it and I had had my brain surgery, you know, it was like I didn't know who I was, you know, oh, yeah, because, you know, when you feel like something else is making you you know, moody or you feel a certain type of way, you know, it's kind of like, OK, now something that I've dealt with all the way since high school. And now, I, you know, at that time, I'm like 35 years old, 36 years old. It's like, man. Am I the person who I thought I was? Am I the same person? So it's just a lot of things that I learned and a lot of adjustments that I had to make that, you know, that was, that was, that was a struggle. Oh yeah. I I appreciate you saying about the suicidal thoughts and explaining some of the thoughts. Cause I've always heard people say suicidal thoughts, but I never thought, I never knew what that meant. And you just said like, somebody hates me or this and that. So I appreciate you telling me that. Now you mentioned you had brain surgery. Yes, that's that's a powerful, scary stuff. So, did you things and, and told you this is the next step in evolution? Said, I'm sorry, I kind of lost you a little bit there. Yeah, I was saying you said you had the brain surgery, yes. and I'm saying what what led to that was that after the car accident? Yeah, so basically, that- it was like after I had that car accident and stuff like that, and I went in for those tests. 
um, you know, like I said, my doctor basically told me, he said, whatever you know um, that's going to trigger your seizures, that's what I want you to do when you're at the hospital. So what I did was I, uh, I told my wife, I said, do me a favor. Uh, I want you to go back to that restaurant. I want you to buy me the exact same thing that I bought that I ate that day. One of the other things that I definitely knew that triggers my seizures is if I had anything with alcohol in it. So uh, <laughs> what I did uh, to prepare uh, from the week before I went dead cold on my medicine, wasn't taking nothing for the whole week before I went in for that test. By then, because when you think about it, when you go into a hospital and the food that they give you, there is no preservatives. There is no seasonings. There is nothing that, w- that was going to trigger it. So by my doctor telling me that, and I also knew, hey, if I have a very small shot of this little bourbon, it's going to happen. <laughs> so it was kind of like a little plan that I told my wife. I said, listen, um, I want you to spike a Sprite for me and buy that same meal. And like I said, I went in there dead cold from my medicine, you know, for a whole week. Now, I don't suggest that, you know, to everybody else or to anybody else. But uh, lo and behold, um, the first day that I was in there, I did that. I I ate that food and I, you know, had had that drink. And um, let's just say I had the worst, worst seizure ever. So all I know is when I woke up the next morning, I had an IV in me. <laughs> I had like, you know, the, the nurses and everybody was like surrounding my bed. And they're like, OK, so what we're going to do is uh, we're going to have you uh, the rest of tomorrow. We're going to be letting you go home. And I'm kind of confused. I'm like, this is only the second day that I'm here. And I'm supposed to be here this whole week. Like, what are y'all yeah, talking about? What's going on here? Yeah, like, so they said, well, you know, this basically what it was was that that was a great time they were able to find out where it was coming from okay so any of the other times that i would go there and i had those tests there was absolutely nothing that i was eating or drinking or basically they tell you they kind of start weaning you off your medicine it might be the day that i leave after that five days i come home and have a seizure when i get home you know right after left so i'm like man if i would have had this yesterday they would have been able to see it yeah. when you're in a relaxed state in the hospital you're chilling in the bed you got the tv on you're able to chill you got food that has nothing bad in it and you had your medication <laughs> wasn't tri- nothing was triggering as soon as i walk out the door yeah. this is when i had it so you know lo and behold so they told me they said you have what they call a lesionectomy um which was basically like a knot in one area it was right close to my temple area right okay on my left temporal lobe um from that i want to say one of two things it was either from maybe altercations fights that i had back in the day or you know i used to always kind of get out there and play football and stuff like that unless you know basically it was a blow that i took to the head and from that was where that developed so after you know i had my my brain surgery basically it was almost like having a laptop that got a virus once they wiped that whole laptop out Mm -hmm. it took like a a brand new laptop yeah so yeah it was like it was the reset button so after i had my brain surgery you know literally it was a lot of things that you know, it took a little while because they would come in and say, hey, do you know what hospital you're at? And I'm sitting there like, 
know. It's like, uh, you know, do you know your name of the doctor? Nah. What's your name? He was like, I may know my name, you know, but it's like, it, so it was like a slow development in over a period of time. And, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, so much my wife is, is, cause it was, like I said, it was a struggle, man. Cause like, you know, during that time at the hospital, I wasn't the nicest person, you know, cause you're not, you're not who you feel that you are. Right. You know? And, yeah. you know, she, she was by my side. My parents, they were by my side, you know, um, I had so many friends that came and saw me, you know, so you kind of start realizing how much appreciation, you know, maybe not at that time, mm-hmm. but you kind of look back and, you know, you just appreciate, you know, the people, you know, yeah. you appreciate the friends, you know, unfortunately one of my friends, um, uh, Malcolm Hudson, he passed uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. He, he passed a couple of weeks ago. And I just remember during that time, um, you know, just going through rough times at the hospital, you know, and I look up and, you know, and he's standing at the door, you know, and he was the man, you know, my boy, he was in tears, you know, mm-hmm. came in, just, you know, gave me a hug and he was just like, brother, you're going to make it through this. And, you know, it was a struggle, you know, for both of us, but, you know, it was just more motivation to have close people and family, you know, true family that, that looked out for me. Yeah. Man, that love will never go away. Yeah, I can definitely see it in your face. That love, man. That's that's a good feeling there. And uh, before I ask you about how you met your wife, I want to <laughs> ask you this: what What does a seizure feel like? What does that so, feel like? Do you know? Or are you aware yeah, of it? Yeah, definitely. So basically, have you ever had that feeling like you went to a spot that you've never been before? Mm-hmm. It's almost like that deja vu feeling. Yes. Uh-huh. And you know darn well, like you could be overseas in darn Italy, somebody, a place that you had never been before. And then it's kind of like you feel it like, okay, this is weird. Like I've seen this before. Uh-huh. That's almost the way that when that seizure feeling is coming on, how it would mm-hmm. feel. And basically with mine, I would completely like blank out. Like my eyes would still be open. Mm-hmm. And my wife would always say, like, uh, it would sound like I was sipping my teeth, like I was, like I was trying to remember what I was gonna say but couldn't. And I would basically, I would blank out. My eyes was wide open, blank out. And then it would, after it would go through its process, then it's like it's coming back. And I was very lethargic, man. It was, you know, do you know where you're at? And it's like, like I knew like I wanted to say but it like wouldn't come out and I'm just like ah. and then I would just be so tired and zonked out and after a while I'd go to sleep and come back and then you know then it'll be fine um yeah. so you know it's it's so many times like I've interacted with people because you know one of the things that I do as well I do <laughs> not only do I work for the hospital but I also work security as well so I work for the Pacers and I also work okay. for the security company with the Pacers during during the game so games and concerts and stuff like that you know i work outside so there are many times that people that have dealt with seizures a lot of people around don't know unless you've gone through it yourself mm-hmm. you pretty much know you know what's gonna happen you know yeah because like as quick as a person would drop and have a seizure 
five, ten minutes later, they are cool. And they'd be like, hey, I'm good. I'll stay for the rest of the show. And a lot of people are like, what? Is this, like, are, are you serious? Is that for real? Yeah. And it's like, yeah, until until you actually have that, yeah, that that it's, it's kind of... So basically, the best way of, of explaining it is like our brains is like electrodes going through our head. Like okay, this. yeah. So it's kind of like when it wants to go through that one area, there's that blockage. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's going, it's going, and then it's like, uh-oh, wait a minute, can't get through. And that's when it reflects to us. And okay. then we, you know, have had that seizure. And then it kind of goes back into that process. So you have some that it may be, once a month there are some you know depending on the medication some medications kind of keep it even and keep it going mm-hmm. sometimes not nah, it wasn't because mine it was not helping at all yeah, yeah. so you know a lot of people take a depakote for that depakote seeds yes. sprinkles stuff yeah. like that you have like tegretol or mectodepakote it's so many different ones yes. yeah and it and that's one of the reasons why i tell a lot of people to know what they're taking because you will have some like yes it works <laughs> you know um but at the same time when you're you know going through through the depression you feeling and it's so many times like i've had this conversation with ones that has come like they're like man finally somebody knows what i'm talking about mm-hmm. like man my neurologist is looking at me like i like what like what are you talking about like i don't get it but it's like you know, I'm not higher on that level, but I can say from a personal experience, I know what you're dealing with. I know what you're going through. Yeah, so, absolutely. But I always, like I say, I know my bounds not to cross, but, yes. you know, but one thing that I always tell people to do is definitely do your research. Do, uh, after you had the brain surgery, did you have, are you still taking medicine now? Or are you okay? Are you no. Okay? So after I had my brain surgery, um, it was like six, uh, three to six months in, they ran tests and stuff like that. And they were like, man, everything is, is, is going good. And they wanted to keep me on one of my medicines. And then they, you know, of course it's like, you have to go a full year without having, you know, but I also knew what the medication that I was on, how it was making me feel. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that when they say that you, you start dealing with those anxiety attacks and stuff like that, mm-hmm. I had it when I was dealing with my seizures. But when I say it was 10 times worse after I was getting weaned off my medicine, yeah, man, I'm talking about like, and of course, like the job that I do, you know what I'm saying? I'm around people all day long, you know, even crowd. So it was like times I went to, I went to Sam's club, man. It was doing shopping with the wife, you know? And then it was just like so many people was packed up in there. And it was like, almost like I was losing, losing my air. I was losing my, like breathing. And I was like, I, I got to go. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, I got to go. So, you know, it's kind of to, to know, you know, where that's coming from. And of course, mm-hmm. everything kind of just so, yeah, I kind of went dead. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I understand how it is too, man. Because when, you, when you're in a room like that, yeah, that I, I don't like going to Sam's either. So yeah, yeah. So so yeah. Like I said, man, that those that anxiety feeling would would kick in, and you know, over a period of time, I was just like, you know what, I'm done. I'm you know, I don't have to take the stuff anymore. I am just going to see where it goes. So when my full year was passed, you know, of course, you know, they continuously test you to make sure right. you know everything is on point. So when everything came back cleared, 
you know, I told him, I said, yeah, I, I pretty much stopped taking that a while ago. <laughs> um, and because basically it wasn't, it wasn't helping anything, you know, mm-hmm. but it was just one of those ones that said, Hey, well, we'll just see if you still have it. This will help you. But yeah, no, nah, I mean, I was, so now it's, it, like I said, I've gone through this, this level of nothing, no more seizures, no more you know, off all medication. So now it's kind of like yeah. the doors is open for me to do what I yeah. love to do. So, yeah. you know, that is, I'm, I'm glad, man. You're doing real good. Cause that, that's a, man, that's gotta be a heavy thing on you. So, and to be able to work multiple jobs and still deal with that, you know, oh, man, yeah. that's, that's awesome. I'm proud of you, man. That's, <laughs> I that's appreciate it. Um, so now you were playing basketball a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. Was we used to before or after the, <laughs> well, before that, after the well that was that was way before um that was way before uh and pretty much what happened when i stopped playing ball because i remember i was running i was running a gym every friday uh it a little a little freak accident happened um playing out there playing running down the court went the wrong way tore my meniscus and uh yeah and i had yeah i had tore my meniscus and that's pretty much when i stopped running the gym uh so it was like you know every once in a while i might get around out there and shoot around you know for fun but now it's more focused on you know going to the gym getting my exercise still hitting the treadmill still getting from you know from where i was before and that was one of the things that was a struggle because even when i back in the day when i was out there hooping i was pushing like 323 you know 330 I, I didn't look it, but I knew I was. No, not at all. So yeah, so like now since you know my brain surgery and just a lot of things of focusing on you know exercise and stuff like that, you know I've come way down and I'm you know not even in that 300 stage anymore, which I never plan on ever going back <laughs> to even close to it. But you know it's just trying to stay focused and getting you know healthy and yeah. you know that, 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 and and yeah. And I gotta hang. I gotta hang on the same level with my son. My son is sixteen, so you know he's he's taller than me. You know, I'm like, man, that was that was the time when I was still grabbing him and throwing him on my shoulders. I can't quite yeah. well. I I still care, but I ain't gonna be walking after I do it. So <laughs> you know, so it's um, you know, it's, it's still trying to keep up on that level. You know, okay. <clears throat> Once again, you're listening to What's Up Award, the podcast. We're talking to Mr. Eric Maxwell out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Eric, my next question I want to ask you, you mentioned your uh, wife and how she stood by you and been there all these years, and yeah. 19 years, a, a, a veteran for you of being married. Yes. <laughs> how did you meet the lovely Mrs. Maxwell? How did that come about? Well, this is the funny thing. So uh, when I was in Chicago, it was, again, back, back in the days of Chicago, man, Friday was my hooping day period like I, I was gonna be balling on fridays and um there was a, a f- close friend of the family said hey listen i know you write poetry and we're gonna be going to this little poetry reading place you know we got some friends from indianapolis is coming to chicago wow. you know definitely you gotta come and you gotta you know hang out with us so i'm like all right i'm gonna hang out i'm gonna hang up with the balling this week and i'm, I'm gonna go Ooh. so i get to this poetry club right so I get there and they're not there. <laughs> they haven't even got there. So they said we're gonna oh, do open. Yeah, they they said we're gonna do open mic. So I'm looking around. I'm like, well, you know, I brought my poetry because you know I, you know, I write. So 
you know, they like, well, who wants to open up? So I said, well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and open up because if I stink, either <laughs> nobody's going to know me and I'm out of here or they're going to like what I did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, logic. yeah. So they, they invited me up. I did my poetry and they loved it. They was like, hit us with another one. Mm. They loved that one. Hey, hit us with another one. Lo and behold, they had gotten there. So when the crowd was into it, my poetry was up there. It was kind of like one of those vibes that, you know, it was just like, okay, you know, then it was everybody got together like right after that. And it was just when I saw her, I was just like, oh man, she's gorgeous. Where, you she know, where's she from? Yeah. Well, come to find out, see, because back then, like when I say I was super shy, man, I, I guess I looked at myself like, man, I don't have a chance with that. I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even try it, honestly. Mm. Well, okay. lo and behold, uh, her girl lied to me. <laughs> yeah, which is not a bad thing that because it, it worked out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she she didn't. She basically told me she said, "Well, you know, my my girl, she kind of kind of checking you out." And I said, "Really? Uh, okay. Well, that." <laughs> so I, you know, introduced myself, and I'm just gonna be a gentleman like I'm gonna be, you know. And we kind of we kind of clicked off we clicked off right there you know and we uh -huh. talked and we hung out all that friday evening we all hung out um and it's just so crazy how so many things happened uh so tight together because i was supposed to hang out with them again on that saturday um and this is kind of crazy how i end up and how i remember this because the next day uh the saturday morning we had got a call um my uncle uh my uncle passed away. He had a heart attack. Oh, man. And um, and it's, it, it's kind of craziness with that story as well. Because <laughs> um, if I might ever say if it's a way that I want to go out, it will be the way my uncle went out. Uh, yeah, I know. So that sounds nuts. But <laughs> so he, he was a diabetic. My uncle was okay. a diabetic. Um, okay. And... And I can say it and laugh about it now because it's been years and years and years and years ago. Uh, but he, he took Viagra. Um, yeah, mm. so he was kind of doing his thing and in the end was the end. So his oh, heart wow. his heart stopped on him. Mm. And, you know, they, they rushed him to the hospital. So that day was kind of like, you know, with them uh, and the family. And he, he stayed on life support for some days. And, Dang. you know, the family and everybody was there at the hospital. And, you know, uh, unfortunately, he passed. Um, and then just from the group that I hung out with Friday, it was like, hey, we are going to go out. We're going to, you know, do a little brunch before they go back, uh, you know, to Indy. And uh, I ended up hooking up with them, hooking up with all of them. And we went to breakfast and I was just like, OK, I can't let her leave without at least me getting this number before she goes. So it was kind of one of those. Hey, well, how long does it take before you get back? Yeah, about two and a half hours. So. Yeah, I waited two and a half hours and called just to say, <laughs> hey, I just want to double check and make sure you got back to Indy. And um all smooth. Yeah. <laughs> so from there it was like we we just got to talking. And one thing that I appreciated about it, she she kept it real with me. You know, she told me from the jump, she was just like, Hey, just you know, I was married before. Um, at the time her daughter was about three, four at the time. And um at that time, I, I mean, I didn't care about that. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was, you know. So 
what I appreciated, like I said, from up front to know what I was coming in 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 contact with. So from there was like talking every day and you know communicating. And sometimes I was coming out to Indy and she would come out to Chicago and yeah. And lo and behold, uh, you know, it wasn't until like I finally told her, you know, hey, I was I was man, I was really nervous. I was like, when I saw you, I thought you was gorgeous, and I didn't think I would even have a chance. And when I told her why I did it, she was just like, well. I'm kind of glad things worked out because right. no, I didn't tell her. <laughs> I didn't tell her that. So, yeah, I was just like, oh, okay. Well, yeah, kind of glad it worked out. So, um, we, you know, we talked for we talked for 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 a while, and then it was like uh, when we made it official uh, that we were dating uh, about six months in. Yeah, I proposed mm-hmm. to her. Okay. I proposed to her, yeah. and I, I, you know, we had the wedding the following year, so we were still, you know, in the even though we were engaged, we were still in that dating range, you know, so yeah. it was just kind of still getting to know each other even better. So I moved up after we got after we got married. Um, back it was June seventh of two thousand three, um, and moved out here to Indianapolis and. You know, like I said, it's just, you know, that's how you ended up in that. That's how I ended up in that. Cause I, I literally for, I mean, she kind of told me she was just like, you know, because of her being married before, you know, her daughter is here. And I was just like me transitioning to come here is not a problem. Okay. You know, me, me making the change, you know, I wouldn't take your daughter away from her father, you know, nice. at all. You know, I would not interfere in that. You know, I didn't have any kids. You know, um, all I was doing was moving from from Indy, from Chicago to Indy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it it, you know. Well, I'm sure (laughs) it's not that hard to give up all that snow, but uh, yeah, 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 you're right. Yeah, Lake Effect ain't no joke. Right. (laughs) Exactly. So you said your wife had had a a small child. How did having kids change your life? Well, it was it was new for me. Cause that was a responsibility that all I can think of and know was how my parents raised me. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a blessing that I had, you know, I had parents that would, they were strict on me. You know, they were, they would, you know, my mom is from Trinidad. My dad is from Selma, Alabama. So mm-hmm. some things it's like, okay, yeah, no, you, you're not going to bold face, you know, say some story to me and we're not going to believe it. So right. it wasn't the easiest thing. But I also respected um, my stepdaughter, you know, because she didn't, you know, after we were married, she never came at me like, well, you're not my dad, you know, but I also had to know. Yeah, I also had to learn and know my boundaries to not to cross. And I I know there was so many times, you know, we had our falling outs and stuff like that. But Mm -hmm. the respect and the things that you learned, I have to say it was definitely a blessing because now um she's you know she's 26 she's a mom she's married and you know i'm a grandpa you know so (laughs) it was so many things yeah so many things that you know that you learn you know even from young as a teenager myself same thing with her so many things that she has learned that you know she builds and she inculcates in her own family from what Mm -hmm. you know we all gone through you know it was never easy but 
in in you know to be at the state where you're at now and we're at now you know everybody has their battles but when you still standing strong now man that's been more of a blessing like i said you know it, it's crazy because me and my sister is 10 years apart now my son and her are 10 years apart you know what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> so there's so many things that you learn um and they've learned yeah. And, you know, and me, like I said, we've been married 19 years and I'm still learning, oh, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, and, um, you know, that's, <laughs> that's basically the, the one thing, you know, that mm-hmm. you can always yeah. just fall back on. I like how you said that you're still learning because you can know somebody 50, 60 years and you still won't know everything about them because you're never going to be a mind reader. Right. So you, I see your wisdom coming through when you say we're still, you said we, meaning yeah. she's still learning, you still learn her. A lot of people uh, I find are not where you are. So you, you, I'm learning <laughs> from you right now. So I appreciate that. So now I'm going to move to this uh, final section of the show called getting to know you. Well, you give me so much already, but this is just a fun section I like to, um, get to talk to people about yeah for sure. first thing is uh my people told me that back in the days you met the brat brat tat 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 <laughs> is that true yes yes i did um actually if i went down the list of how many people uh that i've met from not only the brat and actually this is what was so crazy about that with with the brat uh remember the brat is from Chicago. Yes, yeah. So when I was in high school, um, I was in the talent show. Okay. Really? Yeah, I was in the talent. So back then I was rapping, and mm-hmm. like I said, like right now, you know, I'm I'm all into my poetry. You know, I'm I'm big into my poetry. But back then I was into the rap game. You know, what I'm saying, you know, I was. I ain't gonna say I was good, but I was with guys that was that was great and actually. Actually, I have some some friends that's out there in the industry right now that's doing big things um, that as a friend, they brought me aboard with that. So back in high school at Dunbar, you know, we had like, you know, the brat was coming to perform at Dunbar, you know what I'm saying? So it was like, you know, to have the opportunity when I was younger and I met her then. And then it's like a lot of the because of the work that I do now with the security and stuff like that. I've gotten close with different promoters that's here and um I got a chance to go see the brat and you know lo and behold it was just like yeah you know you can you know let me get a picture with her you know what i'm saying so i you know got it got a picture with her very nice person very yeah. nice person the picture don't say it is you know because he has to be you know being her vision in, in her pictures but you know it was a very nice person man um i like i said the list goes on from from the shows that i've worked that goes from from Post Malone and Elton John, you know, to, hey. you know, even being the escort, you know, at a game for Reggie Miller and Edron James and Reggie Wayne, like so many of these guys that I've met them so many times that when they see my face, they know, know who I am. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like tripped out, you know, so it's kind of, <laughs> you know, I say what's up to them, they're like, hey, what's going on? You know, you shaking hands with them and people kind of look at me like, bro, how did you? I'm like, bro, that's, a, that's an icon. It's like, <laughs> man, it, it, it's all about the work, you know, it's yeah. all about the work. And they appreciate ones that do things and they're not trying to ask for anything for what you're doing, that you're just doing, you know, what you're supposed to be doing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree totally. 
Yeah. All right. My, my next question is, yeah. <laughs> what advice would you give young people who were contemplating marriage? What would you tell them? Young people. The one thing that I will say, um, one thing, especially that I hear so many times, um, check your expectations, what you're looking for. Okay. One thing I'm going to say to guys is don't be who you're not. Um, yeah. What I mean by that, at the same time, you know, because I've heard, man, so many of your shows and, you know, they they want to, hey, we're going to go to the most expensive restaurants or we're going to go do this and we're going to go do that, you know. Mm-hmm. And after a while, these ladies is like, OK, for my first day, we're going to the Bahamas and you know, a brother's sitting there looking like, oh, see, I was just trying to do that because now, nah, bro, don't do it. Just as part of, yeah, life ain't a talent show because after right. the after the show is over, you know, yeah, it's going to be expectations. So be who you are. Stop doing things to try to make people, you know, accept something that you're not. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that. Um, next question is, I know you're into poetry, and yeah. I'm sure you've probably seen Love Jones before. Yeah. <laughs> what did you What did you think about uh, Lorenz Tate's uh, version of Brother to the Night? What did you think about that? Uh, I, I mean, I, I want to say the man was he he he, he was on point. <laughs> he he was on point. You know. Uh, yeah. He I mean he he was on point, but you know. Um, that's that's the best way I can say it. He was on okay, court. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. I know they shot that three times, and then they ended up going with the first take of it. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I thought. I know he didn't write it. Another dude wrote it, and he was like, "Hey, man, I can't say it like that." But, <laughs> right. But when you writing your own stuff, I know you kind of feel it. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, if you want me to drop you one, you let me know. (laughs) After I get through my questions, I'm going to have you drop. Oh, man. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, just give us what's up on that. Oh, yeah. uh, Next question. Give me your Mount Rushmore basketball. What dudes we putting up there? Well, uh, I would say, um, you know, Mike is going to be up there, period. Kobe will be right next Mm -hmm. to him. Um, even Even though the man is not done. I give credit where credit is due. Um, uh, Le- LeBron is, is going to be up there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's it's so many things that those three right there have accomplished. Um, and they, yes. and they, they, they did it on their own. They weren't doing it because, and, and I see how a lot of people kind of, they get mad at the LeBron thing. Like, oh man, and why did he leave Miami? Why did he go to Cleveland? Why did he go back? Being around uh, the NBA industry is a business, you know, and exactly it, it's right. a, it's it's a straight up business. Um, one of the guys, like I said, that was you know that has played, you know, even here, you know, Mal- Malcolm Brogdon was a guy that I actually had met and was one of the nicest guys. Sometimes you you see that they're there for a reason, you know, and there's a lot of guys that has a career. Um, and actually, I even learned that. On the flip side, outside of the NBA, on the WNBA side, I actually met uh, the commissioner, uh, Kathy Engelbert. Um, she's the commissioner of the WNBA. And she had came and she sat down and I had the honor to be the escort for her. And she went in with the team and just some of the communication that she kind of gave them um, 
to let them know it's it's a career that's there that so much opens up different ways yeah. it goes beyond the person that paid 30 40 dollars to sit courtside it goes a lot further than that because with a career personally you go out there and we've seen so many great players go out there and they snap a knee um if you know the history of like in chicago um kevin garnett and ronnie fields those are two guys Man. that went to yeah you're talking about you talking about when ronnie fields ronnie fields was one of the most dominant players over kevin garnett this was back in the day when they were talking about ronnie was going to be number one kevin was going to be number two same two dudes coming out of the same high school crazy unfortunate yeah so many stories with that you know a bad accident happened mm-hmm. that kind of deterred him down at the time in his high school days his his education wasn't it wasn't good at all so because of the levels that it was at there the opportunities kind of went away to where mm-hmm. you would have just j- jumped from the hood to the million dollar club mm-hmm. when you don't take and not able to get to that next level that kind of yeah. can just destroy your whole career. True, true. But you still got one more person to put on that on that Rushmore. Westbrook, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> is that him? Hey, <laughs> Reggie yeah. Miller? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes, yes. And the I'm, and and I just think when all the stuff happened, man, when Reggie was here, that last year, man, I can almost like taste a championship here you know in indy um about the fight when the yes, fight went down yeah that was a yeah that was yeah a, yeah that was a so, that, like the pacers if you're from chicago that well be okay it, it, so uh to work for the company now <laughs> i absolutely yeah i absolutely love the pacers love now the pacers. but at that love time it. back in the day you know because that's kind of just like with mike you know if you lived in chicago you hated jordan you know, yeah, majority right. of my family, majority of my family on my dad's side was in Detroit. They hated Jordan, you know. I know but, everybody did, yeah. Yeah, but you know, and, and it was kind of like at the same time where I could not stand Dennis Rodman to even see his Me face. Yeah. But when he came to Chicago, hey, that's the man. That's the yeah. hey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. You know, you know, when he came to Chicago, he changed. I mean, they have his picture up on a billboard um, somewhere up there, and traffic would 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 stand up every day because you know because it, it was changing his hair code on the poster I was like it's crazy <laughs> that was a traveling rock that, that was I've never seen that I know people love the Golden State Warriors but when Chicago was playing that was a traveling rock group man that was unreal most definitely yeah most definitely um, but great history speaking, though <laughs> uh, uh, two things on that uh, I went to school uh, when Sean Kemp came into the league and you were talking about Ronnie Fields yeah. Sean Kemp wasn't the smartest candle either, but I'm gonna leave that alone. Yeah. But right, yeah, it was a guy that played with him. I forget his name. He was from South Bend, and this dude was better than Sean Kemp. And yeah, yeah. he got <laughs> he he fell asleep at the wheel one night, drunk, and killed himself. He I this dude he dunked over ten people once. He it was crazy. But anyway, yeah, when you played basketball, uh-huh. what NBA player would you say your game was kind of like when you was when you mm. was at your heyday? Mm. Man, that's that's a that's a good question. Uh, I was one of those dudes, man. It was like I was always the b boy on the, the big boy on 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 the, on the court. You know, it was kind of like okay, 
you're not gonna respect my game, but I'm gonna get over in this corner and I'm gonna hit these threes every single time. That yeah, you got you got a jump shot. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of you know, it was it was times like that. So it was one of those. I, I can say if you want to say one of those Craig Hodges that it's like, okay, don't don't worry about my game. Ignore me. You know, <laughs> you that, but yeah. when I'm over in the corner and I'm hitting these shots, it's like, okay, you're gonna respect my game. You know. Yeah. So it was just, you know, for me, it was more of just the fun times, man. And Mm -hmm. my main focus, because when I came here in Indianapolis, it was like there was not really like a lot of, you know, go, go, go. It was never like Chicago. Chicago was like every weekend, every Friday, every Saturday, you were going somewhere. You were kicking it with this one. You were kicking it with Mm -hmm. that one. Here in India, it was so many homebodies. And I was just like, yo, this is a struggle. It was a struggle for me. So it was like, all right, let's try to get as many guys together. You know, mm-hmm. let's let's get together. Older groups, younger groups. It's not about, you know, trying to get out there to see, hey, who got the best handles? Who's, you know, who, who's, the, who's the AA player that's about to go to college? Like, nah, it was, hey, let's 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 get, you know, the older cat that's 56 over there that still got his got his hook shot yeah. from half court yeah. that would drain it every yep. time. Uh-huh. Just to that's get out fun. there and have great fun, you know. Yeah, that, that's nice. I'm glad you did that because people need that. So yeah. I was, if I had and to say, it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think your game to me, you kind of remind me of Draymond Green because you uh, you did whatever needed to be done. You know, you yeah. kept the team together. You, hey man, get your spot. You yell at this person you got too. You pick up me. So I think you were you were like the glue. So I always appreciate that. Oh man, you. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. <laughs> Last question in this round is, uh, who is somebody that that you always kind of looked up to somebody who just like you know this guy is like a mentor to me if there was any such person for you you know the one thing that i can say um it was a combination of actually my parents um mm, and nice. and i and i and i say it big time with my with my mom and dad you know like my mom being a foreigner from trinidad my dad him being from alabama um there were so many things that they went through in their era Yes. Don't be discouraged by other people's ignorance. Mm. Don't feel like somebody can come at you in a way uh, so so ignorant. Like even at a job, being there for 12, 13 years. Like there was times that I was in areas that how do you go from employee of the month one minute to when they want to make a little transition and change yes. and their people in that you know, all right, let's see what we can do to get him out of here. Mm-hmm. So I am going to take that and I'm going to say, I'm going to keep doing my job. I'm going to let your ignorance keep running your mouth. I'm going to let the ignorance, but I'm also keep a note that's going to cover my own tail. Right. So, yeah, smart. You know, because yep. like I, I had been in situations that because of me doing that is why I'm still there and they're not, you know, that's not, you know, saying that in an arrogant, arrogant way. But yes. the failures that they tried to come at me with, they're no longer there, you know. So yes. I take that and I say, you know, and I thank my parents for training me that because at the same time, you know, that my mom went through her struggles because like me, like a lot of people don't know, I got a sister 10 years older than me and mm-hmm. she, was, she, she was a knucklehead back in the day, <laughs> you know. And it was a lot of things that when she was doing things that wasn't about the right, I kind of learned from, from that nonsense. And at the same time, the same struggles that other people can come and say things at my parents, either you're going to run away from it or you're going to mm-hmm. say, who said I was going anywhere? Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 That, hey, nah. 
And it was like, don't don't run from the ignorance. You can make a transition. You know, you can better yourself. Yep. But no, nah, I don't have anybody else. And it took me a long time to understand that because in a heartbeat, man, I'd be ready to go, you know, and run the opposite direction. But yep. from learning that from my parents and like my dad, my dad, he, you know, like I said, Selma, Alabama, from out in the country living that they had to where when you needed to go to the restroom, you had to run down the field to get out to the restroom. Mm-hmm. You know, when it was, how are you yeah. going to eat? And well, you see that cow over there? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It can happen. Yeah, it can happen. you know what I'm saying? You know, mm-hmm. so it was so many things that the younger generation now, you know, it wasn't that, hey, Eric, I see you got Jordans on. Yeah, I got my Jordans now because I have worked my butt off for it. Back then, it was just like, boy, you in school. If you want to, you buy it yourself. We ain't buying that for you. You know, it Uh, wasn't to, life wasn't about trying to put an impression on other people. And that goes from the younger generation now, even moving up into adulthood. Life is not going to hand you anything. You better work for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I heard someone say the other day that they felt that Harriet Tubman let people down because she didn't do enough. And kind of in harmony. I mean, what you're saying, I think our parents and people like uh, Harriet Tubman did do that. They took the ball down the field. Yep. And then it's up to us to do more with it now based on what they got to stack on top of that. Absolutely. Keep doing. You just can't say, well, well, mom, you ain't gave me this. You ain't give me that. No, right. mom kept them lights on. Yep. Mom kept you off the streets. Right. Dad was getting an example, you know. So yep. I think sometimes we got to realize, hey, we, we got some responsibility in this too. Yep. So I'm glad you give your parents that shout out. Yeah, man. I mean, I very much appreciate them. Yeah. Okay, Eric, we're at the close of this show. So it's time for you to bless us with some of that poetry before we wrap this up. <laughs> Ready to hit us with something? Yeah, I, I'll hit you with this one, man. It's uh, and many of my friends they've heard it. It's uh, it's called the strongest man. Um, so I I'll, I'll break it down. Many times saw life, so many tears have flowed. It's like my life's a game being played on the hardest road. Many times I look in the mirror and ask why me, and my reflection looks at me and sees the same things that I see. I dig down deep in the folds of my soul to figure out why this road is so cold. I don't know. Should I walk the road or carry the load or should I take every punch and never fold? Should I ride the bench in the game? Should I ride the bench in the game of life and never get in? Or tell the opposition to kick rocks if you think I'm just trying to fit in? See, I've been my own man from the start. It's when I looked into my own eyes and saw the strength in my heart. I will walk that road. I will carry that load. I will fight that fight and I will break that mold. I will be the man that you can't be, and I'll still be the vision that you can't see. So look in my eyes and see the sight, and you'll see the man with the strongest fight. You know, and life has said you reap what you sow. It also said you never forget what you know. It said what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. But I don't feel no power trying to hold my breath longer. I try to walk the right path and do what I'm supposed to. But when I try to advance, all of a sudden nobody knows you. I may fall, but I get up and dust off. I may run every race and true, some I've lost. But I never give up because I'm only one man. And besides, who made your robe white in the blood of the lamb? You ain't perfect and neither am I because when you talk at a term, it usually turns to lies. So basically, word of advice, live your life because the strongest man lives the strongest life. So that was just one. (laughs) My man. 
Yeah, yeah, I feel you. Man. That was good stuff right there. I appreciate now, it. Now that now you wrote that from some 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 from the happen because that sounded like that was personal. Well, that was just basically life. Period. You know, okay. it was just so many so many different aspects of things of self adjustment. Some things of you know always worrying, and that's one of the biggest downfalls. Like I said, that I used to have to worry about what other people would say or do for me to make an adjustment. Mm -hmm. I'm not living for you. If I'm not bettering myself, if I'm not strong for my family, if I'm not taking the steps to build my son, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm not showing by example, I can care less about another person's opinion, you know, especially if that's, you know, deterring me to better myself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was, those were just points that, you know, from from so long of of nonsense that you know <laughs> that I, I definitely wallowed in with that. Definitely, that's some nice stuff there. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're at the close of the show. Again, we've been talking to Mr. Eric Maxwell today, and we thank you for blessing us with your presence today. Before we end, and before I say my final thoughts, is there anything you want to clear up or or uh, touch on that we didn't get to say during this podcast? Man, one thing I want to say is that I definitely appreciate. Uh, this opportunity you know it's um with everything with this you know the pandemic is is pretty much coming to an end you know with all the the stuff with 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 COVID and all of that um the one thing that I can say is there were so many people have that has lost loved ones you know so I just say man we don't forget when we have them now um don't wait until they're gone before we show the appreciation for the people that we love you know, um, and like I said, man, it's it's been a lot of curveballs that I've had. You know, I lost my boy. You know, he was very close. You know, you, there was those times where, you know, when you had the hard times at home, you know, my buddy that was here that I'm going to hit up. And he's like, you know, even the times when I couldn't drive, hey, man, I'm, I'm on my way. I'll come get you. You know, mm -hmm. so sometimes what I want to just say to everybody is appreciate who you know has your back. Don't live your life to impress other people. If you can't impress yourself, you know, do the things that's going to make you happy. Mm -hmm. And keep keep your focus on not relying on other people. Absolutely. And that's, that, <laughs> that's just my viewpoint on life, period. I like that. <laughs> Let's keep the main thing the main thing. Okay, uh, I'm going to get my final thoughts. Again, everybody has a story to tell, and we thank Mr. Eric Maxwell for sharing his story. Until next time, I just want to tell everybody that if we can get one person to open up their mouth, that we can get somebody else to open up their mind. We thank Eric for sharing his story about his his powerful journey that he went through, uh, even the, the, the surgery he had, the, the good times of meeting his wife, to his granddad getting married again in 90. So much stuff we learned from this man. I know you guys are going to listen to this podcast over and over again. Uh, Eric, is there anywhere if somebody want to follow you or see your social footprints? Can they find you on Facebook or somewhere? Yeah, look me up, Eric Maxwell. Um, I, I got my face on there. You'll see that I work at Eskenazi and I work for the Pacers. So uh, you'll know you got the right one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. Until next time, you've been listening to What's Up Award. We'll see y'all and have a good one. Peace. Peace.